Good morning. My name is Greg. Um, I have uh, a great privilege and opportunity to uh, speak God's word to you this morning. It's good to see you. Um, I'm glad to see this many people. I was wondering Fourth of July weekend if everybody would be on vacation. It was going to be more like speaking to crickets, so it's good to see you all here. Um, So, you know, I'd like to share something with you. I've been back for about a week after having a two-week work trip overseas in Bangalore, India. And it was my first trip to India ever. Uh, I've, I've worked with numerous people from India before, so I have kind of a feel for the culture. Um, I have some very good friends that I worked with who are, who are Indian. But being in India, experiencing the culture while being there was really just a fascinating experience for me. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I'd like to show, uh, share a little bit about that with you before I begin my message. Um, there are kind of like four different things that really stood out to me. One of them was the people. Uh, just a beautiful people, a wonderful, colorful culture. It was really a pleasure to be there and experience that. The other thing is the game of cricket. Now, I don't know if, so, so there's a World Cup cricket tournament going on, and I don't know if you're familiar with cricket, but I'll tell you, if your only exposure to the game of cricket is that one episode of Downton Abbey, then you need to go out on YouTube and, and YouTube cricket and watch it. It is it is truly a fascinating game. I really enjoyed uh, watching it while I was there. I only watched it on TV, but I still got to see a number of matches. Another thing is the food. Um, how, many, how many people like Indian food? So if you go to India, they have lots of places where you can get Indian food there. <clears throat> it, was, it was an excellent experience. And I just want to share this one thing. So um, the hotel that I stayed at, um, the second morning I was there, I was down at the breakfast buffet. And this, this isn't just like a continental breakfast. It's like a vast buffet of anything you could possibly want or imagine, Indian food or otherwise. And I must have been standing there kind of looking confused or dazed because this one of the head chefs came up to me. I knew it, what he was a head chef because he had the chef hat on. And um, he, he's, somehow he recognized that I wasn't a native. And he said, we could make you, we can make you pancakes, we can make you waffles, we can make you French toast, whatever you would like, we can make for you. And so I looked at him and I said, actually, I'm interested in trying one of your gobi paratas. I learned that word the day before. <clears throat> and so he, and he looked at me and he smiled and he, he actually did this. He was, he was like, yes. And I made a new friend that day, a new best friend. And you know the phrase of it's not what you know, it's who you know? Well, that came true for me because actually every single day from that point on, I had people coming and bringing me new things to try while I was sitting at the table. It wasn't even go to the buffet and try something else. People were coming to my table with new things for me to try. It was a, it was a really fun experience for me. The other interesting experience was the traffic. Those of you who may have been to India before, I know Sandy's been to India before. You know what I'm talking about, okay? Major intersections might have traffic lights, but otherwise there's not a stop sign, there's not a yield sign, there's nothing like a do not enter. Those, it just doesn't exist. And the traffic lights that are there, red means stop, and green means, like, I don't know, like free-for-all or something like that. 
And so I tried to video some of it with my phone. I was not able to capture it well, but I wanted to share it with you. So I went out onto YouTube and I I grabbed like a minute long snippet. It's not my video. It's from somebody else, but it's very representative of what I experienced. So we're going to show it. But while we do, I'm just I'm going to keep on kind of narrating and talking through um, while we watch it. So if we could bring up that video. You'll notice, by the way, that the universal language in traffic is beep, beep, honk, honk. There's lots of that. You'll also notice that there are no lines painted on the road. It's, it's like, why would you bother wasting money for paint when nobody's going to follow the lines anyway? So now what's interesting is that India actually does, they actually do have traffic laws. It's just that nobody follows them. And uh, I was told that if you do try to follow the traffic laws, now you'll see that there are some people obeying the traffic cop. You kind of stop people in the wrong place. But if you try to obey the traffic laws, if you actually yield the right of way to somebody, then 75 other somebodies are going to fill that space and you will never get to where you need to go. It's virtually impossible to follow and obey the traffic laws. Now look at this traffic cop. He's actually going to pretend he gets a phone call because he realizes he just can't. Do this. Yeah. Watch this. Ah, I give up. I just give up. So that's, I mean, that's what it's like. Now, don't judge. I will admit, to get from Jackson to here in time, I broke a couple of traffic laws myself. So we know that that happens here too, right? But when I was, when I was thinking about traffic, I was thinking about the fact that there are two authorities at work here. You can, you can take that off soon. Thank you. There are two authorities at work here. There's the authority of the traffic laws, and then there's the authority of the current culture, or in this case, what I call maybe the rules of the road. Each person, driver, pedestrian, cyclist, even the traffic police, they have the choice to determine which authority they're going to obey. Unfortunately, the authority of, in this case, especially the the authority of selfishness tends to prevail. So if I want to get from point A to point B, I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to create my own flow, whatever that might look like, so I can get where I need to and I'm going to ignore those written traffic laws. What we've seen is what happens when I don't obey the authority of what I should do and instead I obey the authority of what I want to do. And so I I share all that with you not to dissuade you when you do someday go to India, not to dissuade you from renting a car and trying to navigate that yourself, although I would highly recommend against it. The reason I share that is I wanted to use it as an illustration of authority. So we think about authority, and there's more than one authority in our lives, isn't there? There's more than one authority, and I get to choose what I'm going to obey and what I'm not going to obey. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today as we go through a passage in Acts Um, But before we jump in, uh, please pray with me. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for uh, just letting us be here today, learning about you together as a family. Uh, God, we get to come together and hear your word spoken. We get to sing praises to you together. So I pray, Lord, that as we do that, that you would prepare our ears, that you would prepare our hearts and prepare our minds to hear um, from you and what you have to say. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles. Um, if you grab one of the brown or red Bibles, we're going to look at the, the book of Acts chapter 5. 
in the brown or red Bibles. That can be found on page 774. Otherwise, go ahead and turn in your own Bible, and we will go ahead and show uh, show the, the scripture on the screen too. But while you're finding your page, I want to give you just a short little backdrop to kind of set the stage. This is our sixth week already of studying through the book of Acts this summer. And so far we've heard about how the Acts of the Apostles, which is the official name of the book, was actually really the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. And the Apostles, we think of them as this larger group of people, but there's a subset of the Apostles who we used to call the Disciples. And the Disciples were followers of Jesus when he walked on this earth. And when Jesus died, the Disciples went into hiding because they feared for their lives. They were afraid that they were going to be next. So they were fearful. But when Jesus rose again, Jesus then ascended to heaven. The Holy Spirit came. These same people who were fearful for their lives are now boldly, boldly teaching and healing and casting out evil spirits in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we've learned that the religious authorities didn't like what they were doing, and so they arrested them, they warned them, they threatened them. And, and let me tell you, this didn't... They, were no, they, they weren't now fearless. They were still fearful. However, instead of hiding now, what they're doing is they're praying to God for boldness. They're asking God to allow us to boldly speak your word. Okay, you don't pray for boldness if you're not fearful. They were still fearful, but God granted them boldness. And so in chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, we see the results of that boldness. We read that the apostles were highly regarded by the people, and more and more women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And that takes us to our reading today. So we're going to start in uh, chapter 5, verse 17, if you would read with me. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, which I'm not going to cover who the Sadducees were, that's a a message for another time, they were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, the apostles entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. So you see them obediently going out and teaching. They've been arrested. They've been threatened before. They know what's coming. They're freed from prison. But instead of fearfully bolting, they stay there and they continue to teach. That's being obedient to the authority of God. And so now they're teaching the religious leaders come together, they're ready to put the apostles on trial to um, find them guilty of whatever they want to find them guilty of, but they get there and they realize that the apostles are not there and they're trying to figure out what to do. And that takes us to verse 25. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. And at that, the captain went with his officers, brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. That's how much regard the apostles had uh, um, from the people. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin, which was this larger tribunal, to be questioned by the high priest. 
we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you're determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, now here's, here's the choice. We must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree or a cross. So he admits, yes, we do find you guilty of Jesus' blood, but he doesn't dwell on that. Instead, he says, God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. Now we know the rest of the story that it wasn't just for Israel, that Jesus offers repentance and forgiveness of sins to all of mankind. And Peter says, we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, they were furious, and they wanted to put them to death. Now I'm going to skip over a little bit. One of the other leaders convinced them, Um, to not put them to death, but instead to let them go. And if you're interested in that, I I, uh, encourage you to go ahead and read that on your own. But we'll look at verse 40. So his speech, this other leader's speech, persuaded them. They called the apostles in. They had them flogged, which means they were whipped and beaten. And then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They're saying, this is what's going to keep happening to you If you keep on teaching, it was another threat. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. And here's the real cool part. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. We must obey God rather than men. And that's what they showed. The apostles knew without a doubt who the true authority was, and they didn't allow themselves to be swayed otherwise, despite the potential consequences of their obedience to God. So that was thousands of years ago, right? Modern day, we have an apostle that we've been hearing about and reading about for the last maybe year, year and a half. Her name is Sally from Chad, Africa. And I think that we've even been covering some of the things that she's been doing while we've been going through the book of Acts here uh, Kettlebrook. And I'd like to share a little bit more about Sally with you. Um, this is a slightly longer excerpt. I'm going to try to summarize it as much as I can. But her story here really merges and meshes very well with what we just learned about from the apostles. So let me start. This is back in January that this happened. Sally had been called to a neighborhood just on the outskirts of our town a couple days ago to pray for a sick girl. The girl was healed immediately. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Today she was called to come back to explain more about Jesus. And she faithfully went, shared more truth, and read from the book. Three young unmarried women decided to follow. Just like the apostles, more and more men and women came to believe in the Lord. This is happening in real time with Sally. Her uncle had threatened to take her to the religious leaders But the day he said he would take her, he ended up ignoring her all day. And then later he said he didn't take her because he was tired. And this is how she responded to him. She said, no, you couldn't take me because God did not want it. 
She knows that if it's God's will, then she will go. So now we read on, Sally is to go before the religious law tomorrow morning. And the uncle is hoping that she'll be pressured to reveal new followers, but we know she won't. That next morning, she was with the religious authorities, and they put her off all morning long. They finally called her in in the afternoon, and they asked her this question. They said, have you chosen to follow the way of Jesus? And she answered, yes. And they asked her, who gave you permission to follow him? And she said, God gave her the authority. They have decided to consult the religious authorities in the capital for judgment on her. So now four days later, we read this. Friday night, religious leaders called Sally, hoping she had changed her mind. She told them to do whatever they needed to do, but that she was keeping her faith in Jesus, and only he would give them permission to take her case further. She also told them that she knows some of them want her killed, but that only God would allow them to take her life. They told her that's not true. We could kill you if we want to. But she again said, no, only if God gives you permission to take my life. So this morning she and her uncle went before the leaders again. Her response was for them to do as they felt necessary. She's willing to die. Her only concern is for her kids. So she does have fear. What will happen to them? But her faith is strong and her path is straight. See, Sally, just like the apostles, recognizes who the true authority is. And she's unwilling to allow herself to be swayed otherwise, despite the potential consequences of her obedience to God. So, thousands of years ago, or a long way away, we hear these stories, we think they're amazing, but then we think about, okay, 21st century Washington County. How did those things that we just heard about impact my tomorrow? What does that mean for me? What is it going to do in my life so that it changes my tomorrow? So I'd like to talk about us now for a little bit. You may be in a position where your faith brings persecution. You may be in a position where you have to do the things that Sally is doing. And you have to choose to obey the authority of God over the authority of something else. If that's the case, I would encourage you to share that. Share that with our church family because those stories, things that are happening like that right here, right now, are extremely encouraging. But if that's not the case, you may find yourself in one of these three postures. You may be saying, thinking about the apostles or Sally, you may be saying, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Or you may be saying, I don't think I could do that. I don't think I have what it takes to go there. Or you could be saying, I don't need to do that. I don't really see a need in my day and age. So let's take them one at a time. If you're saying, I don't want to do that, it could be because you're fearful, right? You know, I don't know, you know. You might be saying, I don't want to do that because I'm afraid. Let me tell you again, the apostles were not fearless. They had fear. They were threatened and they were fearful, but they didn't allow that fearful to cause them to go into hiding anymore. That caused them to pray to God for boldness and God granted that. So let me encourage you, if you are fearfully saying, I don't want to do that, pray for the Holy Spirit 
to come in and to make you bold. But I'll say if you're not willing to do that, maybe you're in the the camp of being stubborn. I don't want to do that, and I'm not going to do that. And all I can say there is that's between you and God, and that's something that you have to figure out. God does call us to obedience in many different ways, and we need to decide if we're going to obey or not. That's something that we need to figure out. But you also might be saying, I don't want to do that because you're here this morning and you're just kind of learning about this whole Jesus thing. And man, the Holy Spirit hearing about this is just, it is like way out there. And I don't know if I even want to go there. And I'll share with you that that it's it's okay to be in that place because you're right. Learning about the Holy Spirit and the stuff that goes on with the Holy Spirit, it is way out there. But if you're here today, you are being nudged by the Holy Spirit. You're here for a reason. So I would encourage you to keep on seeking him. And the Holy Spirit, that same spirit who with power raised Jesus from the dead, will begin working in and through you as well. Now, if you're in the position of saying, I don't think I could do that. I don't have what it takes. I would say you're right. You can't do it. Neither could Peter, neither could John, neither could Sally, neither can I. We don't have the power to do that on our own. The word apostle that we've been hearing literally means sent one, one who is sent out. It's not somebody who goes out on their own accord or by their own strength. It's somebody who is sent out. In this case, sent by and with the Holy Spirit. We can't do this on our own. We don't have the power. We don't have the courage. We don't have the will. But with the strength of the Holy Spirit, He can and will take obedient hearts and do amazing things through them. There was nothing special about Peter or John or Sally except for the presence of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit can be at work in our own lives if we're obedient to Him. And lastly, if we're in the position of saying, I don't need to do that. I don't feel the need, right? I don't see the need. I mean, we're in Midwest America. Um, Life here as a believer is pretty easy for the most part, right? I mean, there might be some things out there that impact our Christian way of life. Um, Some things might seem challenging, but nothing like what Sally is dealing with, most likely. But to that I say, the reason we might find ourselves in this position isn't because we, we don't need to do it. it. Maybe it's because there are other things that take authority in our life besides God and they're distracting us from what God is calling us to. Any authority in our lives that isn't the authority of God will distract us from being willing and able to follow where he's calling us to. Now, I want to share something that I found very profound I don't know if you'll find it profound or not. I love words in, in language. And, and so as I was studying, I found that the word authority is rooted by the same word from which we get author. The authority who you choose to obey is given direct access to write the story of who you are. Let me repeat that. The authority who you choose to obey is given direct access to write the story of who you are and who you're going to be. 
That's a big deal. We have all kinds of things that take authority sometimes over God. And I'd like to share just a few of them that I, that I put together. It's a short list. It's not an exhaustive list. But in our life, maybe it's, maybe it's money or materialism. Maybe there's an authority there. Maybe money and materialism gives us the, the desire for more and it can consume us and that can write the story of who I am. Maybe it's lust. Sex is used to sell almost everything nowadays. And we can be given over to that. And lust instead can be the authority that writes the story of my life. Maybe it's power or position. The need to be recognized and be on top can write the story of my life. Jealousy, like the religious leaders. Or fear. Being afraid that my way of life is being threatened. That can cause me to speak and act and live in a way that directly opposes God, and that could write the story of my life. Or maybe it's comfort or safety. We pray for safety all the time. I'll tell you, the comfort zone is a dangerous place to be in for somebody who professes to follow Jesus Christ. Jesus never said, thou shalt be comfortable. And if we let comfort and safety be the authority, then we let that write the story of our lives. So what is it for you? That's something for you to think about. What thing or things are you allowing to author your life? Any author other than God himself means that I'm allowing myself to be written into a story that's ultimately all about me. But that makes me part of a really small story. A really small story. But God is inviting us to participate in a story that's much larger than ourselves. Obedience to the authority of the Holy Spirit was never meant to be self-serving. It's never meant to be about me. Instead, it's meant for God's glory, making him known. Obedience to the authority of God is meant to spread the kingdom of heaven everywhere that I go. Like verse 14, it's about bringing more and more men and women to believe in the Lord and to come to a saving knowledge of him. We are blessed to be invited into that story. Finally, what I'd like to to share with you, you've heard me say a couple times, talk about the message of this new life, right? The angel of the Lord freed the apostles and he said, go and speak the fullness of the message of this new life. What does that mean? The message of this new life is the gospel. It's the good news. It's the good news of who Jesus is. It's the good news of what Jesus has done. And it's, and it's sharing how we should respond to that. We've been taught here at Kettlebrook in the past about something called gospel fluency, which is learning how to speak the gospel in every area of my life, letting the gospel exude from who I am and exude from what I say, but just letting that come from my natural, normal life speaking the gospel. In John 10, verse 10, Jesus said that he came that we might have life to the full, that we might have abundant life. Life in Jesus is the life that the angel of the Lord was referring to. It's a life that we can only know when we choose to obey the authority of the author of life and stop obeying those things that distract us from him. When we're acting in obedience to God, we are not being told 
to change people's minds. We're not being told to refute other belief systems. We're not being told to judge. We're not being told to declare our righteousness over that of another. We're simply expected to tell the full message of this new life. In other words, share your story. Share about what God has been doing in your life. Let other people see. Share how God has brought you to a new place. Tell people who God is. Tell people what God's done. The apostles declared that they were witnesses, meaning they were only sharing that which they had seen, that which they had heard, and that which they had experienced. That's what it means to be a witness. And though the religious leaders saw it as a threat, the apostles were simply lifting up Jesus. That's all they were told to do. That's all that we're told to do. And so what we need to do is simply speak love and speak grace and speak peace, words and notions that point to the abundant life of which Jesus spoke. That's what we're asked to do. So folks, when we choose to obey the authority of God, continually proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior, the only authority which we should obey, it results in more and more men and women coming to believe in the Lord, them being saved through that message, and Him, Jesus, being glorified. The full message of this new life, the message of the gospel, is the message of abundant life that can be found in Jesus Christ and in Him only. Why don't you pray with me, please? Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for teaching us about obedience. And we pray, Lord, that we truly would be obedient to you as the only authority. We pray that we would see you as the one and only author that can turn our lives into what you desire for them to be, a much larger story than what it would be if it was all about me. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. And thank you for your patience with us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.